Hello, fabulous listeners, followers, and awesome people of the Totem Talks. This month's Totem Talks is presented by Mark Smith and Helen Fruin. Oh, and she's fabulous as well, as always. Uh, we are focusing our attention upon psychological safety. Now, we have also done another podcast on psychological safety in the many, many moons past. However, we are going to focus on a slightly different version of it today because A, our marketing plan for this month calls for it and also B, because it, it has actually come up in conversation a few times over the last few weeks. So we thought we would actually drop psychological safety and this time maybe break it down into a few of the key elements. I think both me and Helen have slightly different takes on this. So, so hit us, please. I don't think we have different versions of it at all. I think we're coming at it from slightly different angles in that in the past few weeks, particularly because of conversations and workshops that we've run around psychological safety Mm -hmm. and the link to that and diversity, inclusion and belonging. The focus for me has been massively on how to create a space where people can be vulnerable, people can be themselves People can say, I've got a question or I don't feel like I can be myself in this environment. How do we create that space? So I've gone down the very practical route, whereas naturally in the work that you're doing, you're coming at it from maybe more of a conceptual, what does it mean to an organisation route? I would love to agree with that. And I think there's a a number of articles on our website where I've written that I do agree with that. I think... I think the challenge here is um, it's a chicken and egg question for me. Um, psychological safety for me begins with the ability for an individual to learn something in a safe space. And whether that thing is how to click a button in the right place or how to have an interaction with a person from a different culture that they've never experienced before those two things are actually quite similar to me. And I think in the last few weeks where I've had the privilege, really, of, of listening to you explain some of the journey that you've been on, I've been a bit like, well, that actually sounds like a, I'm not sure what the word is, but it's... it's um, A some, learning environment. It's a learning environment, yeah. yeah. It's, it's more of a transactional learning environment as okay. well. Um, as opposed to, a, I think, where, where some of the issues I've I've found in the past is it's been, well, well, it's conceptual. I really don't know how to engage with the LGBT community because I've never had to do that before. And I'm like, whatever community you're engaging with, it doesn't really matter. It's 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 a learning experience. And this just is, be curious. Just, just be it, Exactly, exactly that. It's just be curious. The, the, the piece that will be particularly interesting for me is how to communicate curiosity in a way that makes a safe space Mm. because a lot of people will say they're just being curious when they perform a microaggression uh somebody said to me uh, during ramadan that they were asked like why would you do ramadan that just sounds like an awful thing to do i'm just being curious what doesn't sound non-judgmentally curious does it you could have said wow tell me about your experience of ramadan Mm. but you've gone straight in with the negative of why would you do that you need to swap your prepositions um, around right tell me about your experience so curiosity needs to be from a place of Mm non-judgment and what we explored in a recent workshop on this was that the two things that massively help in creating that safe space 
is a deep level of listening. Mm. And then behavior that encourages people. And a deep level of listening is by itself encouraging people to speak up. But then we can think about what we say before someone speaks up that helps them think, oh, maybe it would be good for me to share my experience or share my question or share that I made a mistake or talk about an aspect of my identity that's important to me. So what is it we say to people to encourage them to speak up in the beginning? And how do we then recognize, reward, reinforce, respond to what they say that is vulnerable that makes them think, huh, that was actually quite a good experience. I'd like to do that again in future. Now, my, my initial challenge to what you've just said, actually, as a, as a learning, I'm going to say this out loud, as a learning professional, is that, is that you're describing someone there in that particular circumstance who, who is listening to respond. And my focus on a learning environment is you are learning to listen. You're not learning to open your mouth and then flap off about what you know about things. Um, so when you say I am listening to respond, I've got to say that that person's almost failed the psychological safety test because they should be just listening to listen. Listening to understand. Listening to understand. Perfect. I feel like you're maybe trying to disagree with me. As Potentially. A yeah, Potentially. okay. I mean, just, I, I, you yeah. want some debate. Okay, I want some fine. debate. Right, let's have some debate. Uh, you're absolutely right that listening to respond is incredibly unhelpful. So this is why I say that deep listening, and to your point, listening to understand, not listening to respond, listening to understand is the first point. The then how we do respond mm -hmm. and how we do recognise, reinforce, encourage that behaviour comes after we've done the listening to understand. So if I take the Ramadan example, if somebody came to me and said, um, I'm, I'm struggling a bit with Ramadan this year and I, I wondered if I could talk to you. Oh my gosh, of course, thank you for coming to me about this. Tell me about your experience. And just listen and listen to understand. Leave a lot of silence. Maybe you ask some follow-up questions or just for me, the two biggest things are tell me more, help me understand. Mm. Tell me more about that. Help me understand your experience. And maybe if I'm your manager, I can say, what can I do to support you? Help me understand. That's the, the big thing. So exactly mm -hmm. to your point, I'm listening to understand. After we've done all of that listening and after the person seems like they've communicated everything they want to communicate, now how am I going to respond? Well, first off, I want to say again, thank you so much for sharing this with me. Thank you for coming to me with this. This is really important. And let's have a look at, you know, there's some actions we've said that we need to take. Uh, have we looked at what this means to the broader team? If this person has actually brought this up in a team meeting, do I publicly say, I'm so grateful to this person for bringing this up because I want the rest of the team to recognize that this behavior is something I want to reinforce and, and encourage more people to do. Mm -hmm. So, I agree with you completely. This is not about listening to respond. It's about deeply listening to understand. And when that part is done and there is a choice of response, how do we make that as encouraging and reinforcing of the vulnerability as possible? You know, listening within the psychological safety space is an absolute skill. Really difficult to learn, really difficult to hone. There are not many places where you're going to get be given the um, the free reign, I guess, 
to, to learn this kind of skill. How do we develop the skill? Uh, so our attention spans are pants. That means that when we're listening to someone, we listen to the first 15 seconds. Like you say, you then think, oh, I had a point then. Oh, no. no. no oh, no. Yeah. Now I've, list- yeah. I've missed what they said. Um, and then they make a comment about something. You're like, oh, I think my sister had something like that once. <laughs> how, how is my sister doing, actually? And yeah. oh, my gosh, was I supposed to send my sister a birthday card? Yeah. Um, panic, panic. And just your brain's gone. And so what's interesting is the many, many people who are listening who follow Headspace app or the Calm app and have recognized the benefits of meditation. Mm-hmm. The same process you go through with meditation, which is to non-judgmentally notice when you get distracted, when you're having a thought and to go, oh, I'm having a thought. Let me choose to come back to my focus, which in meditation might be your breath or your body. In this case, it is what the other person is saying. Mm -hmm. So just get practiced in non-judgmentally noticing when you've got distracted and bringing your attention back and then give yourself permission that if you want to say to the other person, I'm so sorry, I got completely distracted then. Uh, I heard up to the bit when you said this. Can, can you tell me the next part? Or, um, okay, I heard what you were saying about this and then I think my brain just went off somewhere. Tell me that again. So if we feel like we might have missed something, why not give ourselves permission to go back? Mm-hmm. Because much better that than pretending we did listen mm-hmm. and then missing out on something really important. So then that enables us to build that skill. I mean, I, I, I completely agree. I think what, what, what you're talking about there is, is something I'm going to touch on in just a moment is um, we need to move away from a binary experience of right and wrong. Mm. So, I, I mean, a great example this evening, in fact, is that I have spent the last it, more more time than I wanted to trying to replace the handlebars on a motorbike. I made a mistake that mistake actually helped me to make a better solution to what I was originally going to do in terms mm. of replacing the handlebars on my motorbike. And as we can all imagine, that handlebars on a motorbike are quite an important feature mm-hmm. in terms of you know going down the road straight and stopping and starting and not crashing into the side of a transit van. So what I find interesting, particularly, I mean, less so within Totem because we're amazing, but in other organizations is is the fear of failure mm-hmm. i'm not allowed to fail i'm not allowed to make this mistake i completely agree with actually you know what you, you can't just take a dump all over a potential customer if you're on the phone to them but in my experience that doesn't actually happen that often sometimes you'll be talking to them you've managed to get the job done but you could have just done it a little bit better that is not a fail in my mind that is not a fail in terms of psychological safety the the point within psychological safety is for you to go let's actually just have a quick moment to review because you did a good job high five but you could have done this xyz just a little bit differently is that true are you you're pulling a face i pulled a face i pulled a face uh, the word but it's not you did a good job, but you did a good job in these ways. Everything you did here, this bit, this bit, this bit, this is really good. And this is something you can improve. If we could remove the word but from our language, a lot of things would improve. I mean, you're right. I mean, you're right. The, the, the word but is a, is, a, is a problematic word. And I think that's one of the reasons why. It's, it's, just, a, it's just a framing. It's just a use of the English language that we are not familiar with. Um, my particular hobby horse with... 
a learning environment in psychological safety? Is, 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 is literally this, the fear of failure. I don't think it's prevalent in totem. I hope it's not if, if there are any people who, who think it's true. We do have it to an extent. Uh, that's actually, uh, actually, we definitely have it between me and you. And the rest of the team. I'm not sure about that. So I will have conversations with the team where they're saying, I don't know if I can do this. Like, I, I've got this workshop that I'm running. I was thinking I might add in this piece, but I don't know if I can do that. Because they want to check that that's okay with me. They want to mm. check that they're not misrepresenting the totem brand or failing me in the content that they're adding. They're still learning, some of the team, how much freedom and empowerment they have. True. To be themselves and put their gifts and strengths into that workshop. That is very true. And so, again, I feel like you were perhaps looking for a bit more interesting debate and disagreement no, no, in our session. Not, no. When clearly we're just going to agree with each other. Absolutely. That we're talking about creating a learning environment, creating a safe space. Saying up front that we want people to be vulnerable, to talk about the questions they have. I work with an organisation where it is a perfectly normal practice for everyone to sit in the team meeting and nod and smile and walk out and say, I've got no idea what he just said. Do you do you understand what he just said? That's not cool, man. It's not good. Nobody benefits from that. Mm. So to know whether we're in that environment or not, because the manager often doesn't realise that that's what their team are doing to start creating more of a culture that says, let's speak up. When somebody asks a question, somebody in a team meeting says, sorry, Mark, I don't actually know what you're asking me to do there. Oh my gosh, can I just say in front of the team how grateful I am for you raising that? Because you can guarantee if you're not sure what I just said, half of the, the rest of the team isn't sure either. Mm. So I'm really grateful for you raising that question. Thank you very much. Let's see if I can then make it clearer. And we're really purposefully celebrating and recognizing and reinforcing behavior that is vulnerable because that builds that psychological safety and says we're all here to learn. Now, as an anecdotal question, just to wrap this podcast up, um, I don't think we've, we've, we've actually measured this in any way, shape or form. But as an anecdotal question, we work or have worked with what, 200 250 businesses over mm -hmm. the last decade. Those companies that embrace that philosophy in terms of actually let's raise an issue, let's talk about it. Do you think they're more successful? Just as, as, a, as a spitball. Because obviously there's, there's plenty of Google searches you can do which will say yay or nay, blah, 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 blah. What I'm talking about is your expertise. You, you have done this for a decade. So the harder less binary <laughs> <laughs> the difficult way of answering this is that it's not that a whole organization has cracked it it's that there are pockets there mm. are teams within the organization who are doing it much better than other teams and those teams are doing incredibly well when you say incredibly well define that for me lower staff turnover yeah higher employee engagement yeah and we know the stats on when you've got higher employee engagement, you see better results. Mm -hmm. And what you also see then from a kind of customer centricity perspective is how other departments in that company describe that team. So that, I mean, uh, um, listeners, that is literally anecdotal. So, you know, you're not going to... Yeah, no, no, no hard evidence here. No it's not evidence. like they make no. widgets and I can say they made no, more no, widgets than anybody not. else. But, I mean, but I there would, was certainly a sense yeah. for me that they were higher performing teams. That's 10 years of experience speaking there. If we could put a metric on it, good grief, we would. 
well, and I always go back to the Gallup Q12 because whilst the Gallup Q12 yeah. doesn't specifically have a, a message about psychological safety, if it's you know what's in. expected it's of you at in. work, if you have the chance to do what you do best every day, you've given the equipment to do your job, it, it's there. Awesome. Let's wrap this up for April. Uh, in May, we are going to come back with... <gasps> Sarah McKinday. Sarah McKinday. Oh, oh, listeners. I am so excited to share with you. So Sarah McKinday is a relatively new member of the Totem team. And she has a background in cognitive behavioural hypnotherapy. Which blew my mind. I'm so excited. Blew my I, mind. I am going to get hypnotised and hopefully stop walking in my sleep. I, I don't know what it is. <laughs> so we will find out all about what that is. Sarah's got a huge focus in her work on mental fitness, well-being. So we're going to hear about how cognitive behavioural hypnotherapy uh, or cognitive-based hypnotherapy. Anyway, whichever it is. It's CBH. Uh, how, CBH, uh, how that contributes to well-being. Um, plus, Sarah is just an incredible person. So I'm really excited to have her on the team. Sweet. Cool. Uh, have a great final end to April. And if you're listening to this in May, then I hope May is awesome. And at any other time that you're listening to this, just have a great time, people. Have a great week. We shall speak to you soon. Thank you.